0: T.C. Hale is not a doctor and does not claim to be a doctor or licensed in any type of medical field. Don't be an idiot and use anything heard on the show as medical advice. This information should be used for educational purposes only, and you should contact your doctor for any medical advice. Now get off me. Welcome to Kick It Naturally. I'm Kenna McEnroe, and I'm here with T.C. Hale, author, natural health expert, producer.
1: Hello. Hello, Kenna McEnroe.
0: Oh, hello. How are you today? Fine. <laughs>
1: thank you for asking, officially. Good,
0: good, good. Uh, and today we also have Hottie Patati, Will Schmidt, sitting to my left. What's up, Will? How are you
1: doing? Good. Hello, Hottie Patati, Will hello, Schmidt. Hello, author, Tony. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tony's also cute, too, but, you know. But I don't
1: have a patootie on my name. Yeah, he doesn't like have yet.
0: a patootie.
2: That's actually my legal name. Oh, guys. Oh, so oh, Ken okay. is not really yeah, attracted yeah, to me, yeah. just, I'm yeah. actually named Hottie exactly, Patati.
0: Exactly, exactly. Awesome. So, um, if this is your first time hearing us, then I'm sorry. That's really sad that for you. That is sad.
1: Yeah. I, you're going to have to be held or something.
0: Yeah, good thing for you. We have about 50 podcasts you can go back yeah, and you listen back. to. I can't so. believe
1: they let us record 50 of them. That's no. weird.
0: Yeah, and they haven't shut us down yet. Um, so, today, I'm stalling, I'm stalling, I'm stalling. Our featured audiobook sure today is It Starts With Food by Dallas and Melissa Hartwig. And since Audible is our show's sponsor, Tony's holding up the book. Our listeners can get a free 30-day trial and download this audiobook for free.
1: So this book is like—it's one of my favorite books for sure. And and Dallas and Melissa, we went out to Utah and interviewed them for our upcoming documentary. And 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 we we actually they had us come out and shoot a live workshop they did one time. And they're just really great people, very knowledgeable. But I actually really like this book, and that's very rare. Really rare. Like, I think there's like four books I like, and everybody else's book, when I read it, I'm like, you're so nah. stupid. Oh, why are you saying that? <laughs> Just shut up. Right. No, but but uh, this book is really good, and it really helps you understand that what you put in your mouth really counts.
2: Yeah, Kenna. Uh. <laughs>
0: oh. Yeah, like it, it counts a lot. Tell my husband that. <laughs>
1: so... Um, <laughs> They really explain how, you know, foods that we make bionic and synthetic and they're not really foods, how they can affect, you know, how our body responds to that. And a lot of times our body gets kind of pissed about the whole thing that we're, they were eating.
2: That's right. Like, no one can digest corn anymore. You just poo it out. Right. right. Yeah.
1: Just, Even
0: if you chewed it, it still yeah, comes out whole. It's weird. like reforms. Yeah. It's, it's like, like Magneto.
1: Corn in the it. cob. <laughs> it's like a worm with yeah. its
0: tail cut off. That's it's weird.
1: Right. So... Um, how do they get it for free? They-
0: oh, to get this audiobook for free, just go to kickitinthenuts.com dot com forward slash audiobook register for your free 30 day trial and you will see one free credit. Just search for it starts with food and that can be your one free audiobook. Oh, how generous of you
1: Yeah, so if you if you if you read this book or you listen to this book and you hate it, then tell me, and if I'm ever, like, on The Tonight Show, I'll officially apologize to you at that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a good book.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I can say that because I don't think I want to be on The Tonight Show. They, uh, they kind of kicked me off.
0: Well, I have a show that I can call The Tonight Show. Okay, that would be great. That's when I'll apologize mm-hmm. to great.
1: whoever this is that doesn't like the book Mm -hmm,
0: because there really there are no people who will not like this book okay so if you haven't followed us on facebook then you know i don't know what you're missing out on here except a bunch of good information and being able to put your two cents in or ask your questions to all of our topics that we post so go to kick it in the nuts on facebook and we'll probably accept you and then, you know, every single Sunday, we'll post a question on there about pertaining to health, and you guys can ask some questions about, you know, anything in that topic, and then we'll try to answer them.
1: Yeah, we're about to do that right now. All right. What is our topic? Today's
0: topic is OCD. What All will right. help?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good topic. And, you know, one, one confusion that a lot of people have is like, you hear a lot of people that'll be like, you know, I... I'll only wear yellow socks if I'm wearing a pair of yellow socks. I won't wear a blue sock and a yellow sock, so I'm OCD.
2: Well, that's just good fashion. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah you just yeah, like pairs that. of socks yeah. is
1: all. It doesn't mean that you have a, a horrific uh, disability or something. Yeah. But it's kind of like, you know, I think it was in our bipolar show we talked about that it's just become so common. Like people are like, what well, are you, bipolar? You know, just because maybe they were... Upset for a day or something, Mm. and OCD is kind of a similar thing where I think a lot of people will have um, OCD-type tendencies. But if you have OCD, it's it can be like debilitating. Like you're you're screwed up uh, in, in trying to go through life in a lot of ways, and it can really. Mess up everything.
0: Yeah, that period in college, I had some OCD tendencies, you
1: know. I I grew up with them. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually
2: really excited to. <laughs> what are you talking about there, Well,
0: you know, they always say you go through your bisexual tendencies and uh, college oh, and stuff. So, so I was yeah, O C D tendencies. experimental OCD. Yeah, I, was, I was experimental with OCD. <laughs>
2: yeah. but I actually grew up with really intense OCD type symptoms, and and through nutrition, have fixed a lot of them, and and know like what nutritional triggers. For me personally can trigger it off so I'm really excited to share what I've learned cuz I knew it was it was never debilitating but it was severely annoying and socially awkward to have right. those things going Will
0: on. Will says this as he's washing his hands for the fourth right. time since he's <laughs> been here. What's wrong with that? <laughs>
2: My hands were
1: I just like yeah. hands. dirty. Hands. Yeah, yeah, I like clean fun. hands, like clean hands. you know but that is a that is a, a a big thing. It's like you know hand washing is a very well known thing, you know that, that that is but but the difference now is that we've learned that washing hands is like legit, like you, you really want to wash your hands. And like they even recommend, you know, to wash your hands frequently, but still people can do it to a point where the skin is falling off. It's
2: 11 times in a row too much.
1: I think 11 is, is golden. Okay. Yeah. You're fine. Well, don't worry about it. You're pretty. Perfect. That's all that matters. Doesn't matter. So why don't we jump right into questions? Um, cause I all mean, right. we don't have all day That's right.
0: All right, Naomi, what's wrong with being neat and organized? Nothing, Naomi. And people need to be more neat and organized. I
1: think so. And I think that, you know, one thing that you see a lot is that maybe there'll be a couple. and the dude is sloppy, but the girl mm-hmm. cleans up everything. So he says she has OCD because mm-hmm. she's tidy. You know, it could also be that she just doesn't want to be a slob.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. Welcome to my world. Okay, right. so Jamie from Los Angeles, California, what are the signs that you have legit OCD? Mm. Mm, that's a good one.
1: It is, and I think it. I I think what you want to look at is is whatever the issue is for you. Is it something that you want to improve? Is it something that you don't want to have to deal with? Yeah, is it anymore? holding
0: you back in some right. way in your life? If Interrupting your life. If you can't get out the life. door because you have to count locking the door over and over 50 times, For an hour, then, yeah. Yeah, then that's a problem. Yeah,
2: I I think one way you can identify, I mean, I'm sure like WebMD has its own ways of like diagnosing your doctors have Yeah, there's a well. test even that you yeah. take some. But you can, like from my experience, I can personally tell like when I was doing things that. Or OCD versus just being like, oh, did I leave the stove on? Like, it's legitimate for me to check right. that it's, once. It's good to not right. have your
1: house be on fire. Right. You
2: want, you want to But, do like, it. things like snapping with both hands equally that I have no rational explanation of why I needed to do that, but just felt like I needed to or I was really uncomfortable. There's like, no reason behind it. it just out of, like, comfort or fear of something weird, ominous thing going to happen if you if don't do it. If you didn't do, do it. it. But, there's, but you can... You can tell, like, even in the moment, you can tell there is no real reason. I just feel very compelled, hence the compulsive part that you have to do that, like a fidgeting motion.
1: Right. And uh, and we're going to talk about why that happens a little bit too. But, um, you know, one thing to look at is is whether you're figuring out, do I have legitimate OCD? Is this something I need to worry about? Then, you know, is the behavior something that you personally are worried about? And if it is, then there's likely things that you can do to improve that, you know. So like if you, if the longest relationship you've been in is is a week and a half because these behaviors are interrupting, uh, creating any type of good relationship, then that may be something that you want to improve. If you get fired from every job because you feel like you need to slap people consistently, you know, whatever it is for you. Um, so I don't think that it's like there's. It's not like if your blood pressure is this, you have this. It's not like diabetes where you can tell by checking blood sugar if someone's diabetic or not. It's more of a thing like, is it interrupting your life?
0: hmm mm-hmm. Or the people around you. Right. hmm Is perfectionism a kind of OCD? I think that might be. I don't know. It depends on the extent of it.
1: Yeah, like did you ever see Monk, that show Monk? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you'll thank me later. Yeah. you know because you know he was like a detective um he played that part really well too but yeah. um you know he was severely OCD where if he's chasing somebody <coughs> he, he needs to touch each light, light post as he's going by oh, you know yeah so if if it's to a point that it's that severe where it's making you miserable or <clears throat> um interrupting your life then you know that can be a problem but uh being a perfectionist and wanting, you know, your work to be good or whatever it is that you really like to be proper, um, that's not an illness, you know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was actually Ezra from Cairo, Egypt. I forgot to say her name.
1: Fancy. Uh-huh. Egypt, what Egypt. is it? We are huh.
0: branching out. Um, Irene from Palm Del, California. That's not
1: as far away as Egypt.
0: No, not as far. Huh. CDO, please. LOL. I'm guessing she wants the the letters in order. Oh, alphabetically. I yeah, guess. alphabetically. Awesome. I caught that, Irene. Right. That was good. And
1: just just so that we're not mean, um, you know, like there are so many jokes about OCD everywhere you go, no matter what, um, because it's a so many of us have little tendencies like that, so it can be funny, but for someone who's completely debilitated, it's probably less funny. Mm-hmm. It is
2: less funny. like have you ever see Matchstick Man with uh Nicolas Cage? He, oh, yes, he, yes, he was severely yes. OCD, and then like me, like having all those tendencies, like. I really empathized with it and like, Oh, it was like very sad for me. Like some whereas other people might laugh at like some of the things he had to do is like, Oh, I totally get it. You know? Yeah. So I feel you out there. If you got, right. if you so do you
1: anything. want to tell us some stories or maybe don't demonstrations? I don't, do demonstrations. I don't yeah. know. Which, exactly. Yeah. For
2: example, like when I was, I remember like my first like memory of it, I was I think I was in kindergarten or preschool even. And I remember I had this thing where I had to like snap evenly with like both hands. If I snapped at all, like, and For some reason, I or if I felt my fingers weird together, I'd have to do that. And I was doing that one time while I also had a question that I was <laughs> trying to ask the teacher. So I was like... Like snapping with one she hand in there, thought you were snapping like a waitress, her, like, Come like here, you're being lady. a jerk to a waitress, <laughs> and she looked at me so mad, like I was like, you know, her waitress that I was just dissing, and she's like, "We don't do that in here." And like, you know, when you get you know scolded Aww. by an authority, like it just stayed in my memory. I was like, "Oh, I'm getting in trouble," you know. But what and and for for years I dealt with with that kind of stuff and fidgeting and that kind of thing, and then I noticed that my dad also had that and i told him about like oh, i just always feel like these weird fidgets and things like he's like oh i had that too and then growing up i and then he said i used to have that when i was younger and then i just kind of told myself stop it you know and, and he stopped doing it but he didn't really stop doing it like we would we would see him in these car drives where he'd have to do something at least every three to five seconds. Like the longest he ever made it without fidgeting or moving or adjusting something or pointing out a tree or something was five seconds on like a four-hour car drive, right? <laughs> oh, wow. so no, That can be
0: exhausting. So,
2: yeah, but what I found for myself quite on accident once when I started initially doing a cleanse where I stopped eating most of carbohydrates and all processed foods, I didn't realize it. But I stopped fidgeting for, like, months and months and months. And then I remember it was Thanksgiving, and I was about to eat a bread roll. And as soon as I, like, picked up the bread roll, I fidgeted. And I noticed it.
1: That's pretty freaky. Yeah,
2: I noticed it because I hadn't in so long. I was like, oh, dude, that was, like, gone, you know. And I realized it was related a lot to, like, my blood sugar and... and. I hadn't even eaten the carbohydrate yet, but it was like those foods, it was so ingrained in my body that that stuff would make me fidgety. It had a lot to do with blood sugar regulation, my, my metabolic speed, and all sorts of things that your autonomic nervous system does to regulate blood sugar.
1: You know, and, and we actually can produce insulin just thinking about eating a carbohydrate so that could have been involved yeah. in the situation oh yeah.
0: so all this time that i'm sitting here being good but i'm thinking about different <laughs> <Yeah>. desserts <laughs> and stuff, well i'm actually honey. should just be eating them oh, no it's, it's not, not gonna spike salt. it it's
1: not gonna spike it that high but it is has been proven that you can begin to produce it just when you think about it mm-hmm.
0: oh lord Alright. Isaiah coming from a therapist. Yes, everybody has compulsive tendencies but that is not OCD. OCD is one of the largest and hardest to treat. But OCD is only considered a disorder when it has a dramatic impact on daily life. The rest is issues you have to work out in counseling. Ironically, OCD is one of the most researched and known conditions currently afflicting Americans' health in large numbers. OCD ironically was only discovered in the 1980s and there is a treatment that can cure depression on the other hand has been known about since the early 1900s and the only treatment known is to treat it by increasing the neural oh god neurological transmitter serotonin but in the past years it has been found that serotonin does nothing but give you a yo-yo effect on a daily on daily mood
1: Mm -hmm. okay so that was a lot of stuff with isaiah but we won't get into depression a whole lot, but uh, Isaiah, you might want to listen to our depression podcast because we hear from people all the time that uh, follow the steps that we talk about in that podcast that see great improvement with their depression. Yeah.
2: And you definitely don't want to go into these conditions thinking that there's like a specific cure for it. Like Right. Some people are like benefit greatly from serotonin reuptake inhibitors. They could do also things with their nutrition to help that. But some people with the same symptomology of depression or OCD, if they take that same SSRI drug. They commit murder.
1: Right. Mm, right. That's the science. That's d- not good. That means the drug was not that <laughs> Right.
2: And that's actually what happened in Columbine. Like, all of those kids were on the wrong psychological meds because their particular imbalances were not distinguished carefully enough. And the
0: side effects of those pills for, like, depression and stuff is suicide, you yeah. know, and stuff like that. Right. It's like, that's why I'm taking yeah. the pill. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah.
2: Because <laughs> some people, they're tilted, like, in the opposite imbalance of, like, they, they have too much serotonin, and then you take a serotonin, reuptake inhibitor, and then it's like crazy mm-hmm. flooded, and then they go eat people. like it's mm-hmm. So you've got to look at the individual. And one book that I just read slash listened to that was fantastic on these distinctions of the different neurotransmitter functions and that sort of stuff was a book called Nutrient Power by a guy named Dr. Walsh, who's done really amazing things in looking at the difference in, in neurochemistry between all sorts of different mental disorders, including depression and O C D and um, bipolar disorders and schizophrenia and has further classified all these imbalances into like the neurochemistry distinctions or phenotypes within these different classifications. And from that you can see how there's not just like one cause of O C D or schizophrenia. Like you could have five or six different, you know, configurations of these neurochemicals right. that are imbalanced associated with Um, different nutrient excesses and deficiencies, which can be influenced by your genetics. And those nutritional excesses and deficiencies can also influence your genetics back and trigger which genes are there. So... Genetics can play a role, but then this other thing of epigenetics, of the environment in which the genes are expressing or turned off, is also controlled by nutrition. And all that can now be analyzed, and a custom protocol to balance out your biochemistry and your neurochemistry can be formed. So our, our, uh, sesh, our episodes on depression and anxiety, as well as if you check out Nutrient Power by Dr. Walsh or his institute, thewalshinstitute.org, Uh, you can find a lot of information about how to figure out what you personally need.
1: You know, and let's talk a little bit about the physiology uh, that could go along with OCD and another good episode of ours to listen to that we kind of got into this a lot and we'll explain why right now. Here I go. I'm about to explain why right now. But is our eating disorders episode Um, because a lot of people look at OCD and they classify it as an anxiety disorder. And it's because um, the most common types of OCD are people that are dealing with uh, fears. And um, they have these compulsions because they feel like if they don't fulfill them, that something horrible is is going to happen. And uh, one thing that we talked about in that eating disorders when we talked about anorexia is that Because a lot of people with OCD, they'll look at their compulsion, whatever it is, uh, whether it's checking the locks for an hour, you know, over and over again or whatever. Um, A lot of them will explain to you that, look, I I understand that it's senseless. I understand that there's no reason to do this, that there's no reason to be concerned about this. I just checked it. I, I, I can rationalize that in my brain later or whatever. But in that moment, there's nothing I can do about it. I have to check it. It's it's too much of a fear for me. So when we talked about um, anorexia, we talked about the fact that there's a lot of proof out now that shows that starving yourself can make you fatter. You know, it's, 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 it's proven. We know it for a fact that not eating can make you body store fat and hold on to fat, all this kind of stuff. But still an anorexic person, if their biggest fear is to get fat, then all of a sudden they're in this. It's like an OCD thing against food, almost that they, they can't get past that fear of eating food because it's just overwhelming them. And what we talked about is that there, you know, eating food is not just to make you full and so that you get to poop corn or whatever you're gonna poop. It's you need the nutrients out of that food for your body to function. And Will, do you want to talk a little bit about? Minerals and brain function, and then we'll tie that back into the, what I'm blabbing about.
2: Yeah, sure. So your, for your cells to communicate to each other and for your brain and body to communicate effectively, it all runs through electricity. And without anything to conduct that electricity, you get a breakdown. It's like if you were to um, drop a toaster, in, like a plugged-in toaster, into a bathtub full of distilled water... <laughs> And you're
1: sitting it.
0: We've, we've gone through this yeah. before. Don't try this at don't home. Try, <laughs> don't,
1: just, just theoretically, hypothetically. Your water may not be just distilled quite enough. Or dirty or
2: something. Your bathtub may yeah. have some weird salt on it. And if we it, have 15 yeah. listeners, we can't afford to lose yeah, water. Yeah, we so need so you guys. Yeah. Right. But if you had pure distilled water and you dropped a plugged in toaster into it and you were in there, you'd be okay because the electricity would not conduct from the toaster to you so you wouldn't get electrocuted same thing happens in your brain like if your neurons are trying to send signals uh, from one place of the body to another from some cells to another they need uh, something a conduit to help that happen and without enough electrolytes in your system uh, those synapses and those messages get uh, muddled and disconnected and less efficient so you'll start to feel spacey or forgetful or moody and, and, not Depressed. Know why, and not quite know why.
1: You can so, get dizzy because the, you know, the other signals are not traveling well too. Right. And, and just to clarify, to make sure that we're covering this electrocuting yourself in a bathtub thing, the reason that the signals don't travel is because distilled water has all the mineral removed, or tap water has a lot of mineral in it. Um, so the way that you can look at this for, as a human is you can look at your blood pressure and if your blood pressure is low that's a strong indication that you don't have that much mineral in the system and by low we mean the systolic the top number would be below 112 mm-hmm. at least 2 hours after you ate mm-hmm. so that's something that you can do because everybody can look at their own blood pressure so if if i'm if i have severe ocd the first thing i want to do is i want to know where my blood pressure is because that's going to be the most common cause of this type of anxiety issue Mm -hmm. is that there's not enough minerals in the system for everything to be operating correctly. And it seems like, you know, we're never going to be able to say this is a fact because we're never going to know exactly how the body works. We're just, every time we think we know something, we bust open something and all this other stuff comes out. There's never going to be a manual that just shows up. Um, So, we're never really going to know how accurate this is, but what it seems like is that when a person doesn't have the resources for their body to operate optimally like it should, the body becomes a little stressed. It becomes a little anxious, like I'm trying to do all this stuff. I'm trying to pay $800 worth of bills with $9, um, and it becomes anxious. And when that happens, that seems to translate to uh, the way that we think and how we feel in our life because um, we've talked about in a lot of episodes that when resources are really low, we seem to go to all the gloom and doom. You know, it's hard to be optimistic when the brain doesn't have the fuel to function correctly or it has an inability for signals to travel correctly. Mm
2: -hmm. And the other big thing that we'd want to look at in this is uh, our breath rate. So when we look at that, it gives us a big indication about our metabolism. Um, one of the the main thinkers that we've talked a lot about in the past is uh, Dr. George Watson and his whole like understanding of the metabolic types of whether you're a slow or I'm fast. A George Watson groupie. Oh, yeah, he's, I would I'd be like front row uh-huh. if you're still yeah. rocking. But he did fantastic things with curing people of. Can I say curing? He did. I don't think he, he, was, say that. he was a doctor. Maybe he is. A, Huh. No. Anyway, no. fixing people that had mental disorders, including OCD and severe schizophrenia and psychopathic fits of rage and like people institutionalized. Right, he dangerous. Was a, right. Yeah, like locked up in a straitjacket. Like he was able to pull them out of those like psychotic episodes through nutrition.
1: He was like the Indiana Jones he, of psychiatric yeah, doctors. Yeah, right. He was, we went into danger.
2: Right. He was <laughs> <laughs> pretty fantastic with uh, understanding like eventually through a bunch of research, how their metabolism was responding to the food that they were eating and helping them with restricting certain nutrients and emphasizing others to help balance out their metabolism so that their cells and their brain were getting a nice steady stream of available energy. So in his book, Nutrition and, and Your Mind, he, he talks about those, um, those slow and fast oxidizers and what nutrients he used to balance or which nutrients could potentially imbalance each respective group. And in that same research, like going back to Dr. Walsh and the stuff he's found, um, they, they found a lot of similarities and crossovers, further distinctions in development, as uh, Dr. Walsh has, has like pioneered further brain chemistry uh, research. But they're along the same vein of understanding the different metabolic rates and situations that people are in, and you can learn how to balance that out uh, using nutrition and become less and less needy of medication to try to help fix any situation.
1: Right, and, and the simple way to view like what Dr. Watson was doing was he was looking at uh, does a person rip through fuel too quickly, leaving nothing left for the brain to function on, or could they possibly have a very hard time oxidizing the food correctly to pull resources out of it to use that as fuel. And those were two problems that are on opposite ends of the spectrum. So you would see that there is no single solution for those because one solution could make one person much worse while it improved another person. Mm -hmm. So, But if we look at that and we tie it back into what we were talking about, which we don't usually do. We don't usually tie things back into what we're talking about. But um, if you look at the fact that if the body is in a panic situation due to a lack of resources that it needs to function and that translates into our life as a panic situation then it makes sense why somebody with a lack of resources could view something that is not a realistic danger but view it in its magnified gloom and doom uh, point of view and it, you can see how they could get s- stuck in that situation you know just in the same way that one person might get stuck in a depression or One person could be schizophrenic or bipolar. You know, these things uh, come about differently in different people.
2: Yeah, and if you go through, like, read any of Tony's books or go through our... Uh, free digestive issues course or even the fat loss course you'll learn where your body chemistry sits in relation to Like the uh, the low blood pressure electrolyte deficient or electrolyte excess state if you're a slow oxidizer or a fast oxidizer Either one of those two Categories that Watson helps distinguish and then you'll learn some steps you can take to try to fix those things and they will have a direct impact on your nervous system so your nervous system is going to jump either into fight or flight or into the parasympathetic imbalance uh, in response to how your metabolism is working. And I know for me personally, that was the trigger of all my OCD symptoms of any time my sympathetic or fight or flight nervous system was activated, I'd start to get fidgety and feel like all these weird OCD compulsions. And once I learned how to eat in a way that kept my blood sugar really balanced and my, my nervous system balanced, all those they just the compulsions just disappear
1: right and this is the kind of sad and upsetting and annoying thing like sometimes on a show i'll try to listen to some other people's shows on topics just i like to hear what advice is being given to people and i would like to apologize officially on behalf of all health practitioners in the world for people that are dealing with ocd because the advice out there is just horrible stuff that i listened to it was like you have a dark side. There's a demon within oh you. Gosh. and you. I mean, it was just yeah. like, come on. Are you? These people are having a hard time already. And uh, you're, are
0: we are like, this is the Middle Ages? Or are we like going to burn people at the stake? It, it, you know, it, like it kind of
1: sounded like that. And another thing that caught me off guard was that I came across some shows that were just on OCD. So you know a lot of people are dealing with this and mm-hmm. having a hard time but some of these shows just on OCD had like 150 episodes on OCD. Wow. And I'm like, man, if I've... They're did,
0: OCD, I, we to do 900, OCD. We need to do
2: 999 episodes.
1: 999 yeah. episodes. Right.
0: Right. <laughs> Every time he's finished, he hits record again. Damn. Right, yeah.
1: I don't know if that was why or... But my thought is like, if I'm talking about something that long and the person hasn't been able to fix it, I'm pretty upset about it. Yeah. I'm feeling like a little bit of a failure. So, yeah. um, But in any case... You know, I, some of the stories of people like, you know, if they go to a restaurant, they can't place their order until they've added up the price of every item on the menu and then divided that by how many menu well, items. I thought and, that was because I was cheap. <laughs> right,
0: right. Well, but, for
1: you, of that yeah. is true. <laughs> but the, the situation is that these tasks that people get stuck doing, there's something about it that seems to give them order in a mind that doesn't have order and whether that mind doesn't have order because it's not functioning properly or the body is feeling too anxious. And there's a lot of reasons that that could happen, but it seems like the only solution out there is to either talk about it in some type of counseling like Isaiah was talking about, um, or they have the type of therapy where they kind of take your fear and shove it in your face a little bit. Mm. And the, the idea is that if you can uh, just step into that fear, then it, it won't uh, bother you so much. You'll get used to it or like if it ends up boring you, you can't be bored and scared at the same time is what they suggestion suggesting.
0: Where do we put the anaconda? I'm right, kidding. right, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but, you know, some people's fears are legit and they're going to have a full-on panic attack. Or I, I just, I don't love that idea so much. Yeah, I mean...
2: Like, I guess the thing to kind of ground in, like, okay, for people that are that are on board with us and understanding, like, all right, their, their chemistry has a big thing to do with this. It's not necessarily time on a couch talking to somebody about it that matters is uh, you should go through our, our free four-week course on digestion and Learn where your body chemistry should be at,
1: and like, it's so easy to do. It's
2: really it only it's not it doesn't take four. It takes really two hours. I had a client. Right. I told them about it, and two hours later, like I'm done.
1: Right. good job.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's just how fast you can go through the four weeks worth of modules. But you'll learn, especially if you're OCD about it and really on it. Right. You'll learn really quickly where yeah. your body chemistry should be at, and then if you um, you take the recommended steps to try to balance it out, uh, you'll find like the symptoms can maybe diminish and maybe disappear entirely once they get to that situation. And there's, there's different, you know, lots that we're born with as far as our genetics and our epigenetics that can make us more prone to these issues than other people. But still, if you have that goal of like, okay, I want to get my, my personal body chemistry balanced into these ideal zones, it may take more or less or different work for you to get there. But aiming for that will, will definitely help uh, reduce the issue.
1: Yeah. Cause one thing that I think anyone with OCD would agree on is that they go through times where symptoms are worse and where symptoms are improved. So why is that? Why is that happening? And, and the only r- real answer, it could be that, you know, your physiology changes not only from day to day, but from hour to hour. And depending on what you ate, your ability to process what you ate, uh, your ability to use the resources in whatever you ate—all that stuff counts. And this, and this knowledge is so left out of mainstream now that we just think that we eat so that we get to poop. Yeah. We don't understand that what we're eating affects how our body functions. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it all affects you know each other. So, like, if you're feeling like out of control or stressed or you have no control over your life you want to be OCD and like control this one thing right but yeah. if your body chemistry is messed up then that amplifies it by a hundred you know right. so I mean it's all goes together so if you can fix the body chemistry then maybe you can kind of rationally think about stuff and go this isn't really true this is in my head or you know I don't know.
1: Right, and some people may be thinking, well, I eat food, I know, I, and I'm eating good food, and they may think it's good, and it may not be good, mm-hmm. but the the biggest disconnect from why a person doesn't have resources is Will Schmidt. Well, is digestion. Right. Yeah. Yeah, See, we're yeah gonna say sugar. yeah.
0: It was one of the huh? two. <laughs> it was either digestion ever, or sugar. Can, if
2: yeah. you ever fall asleep during the podcast, just wake up and say yeah, either it's digestion it's sugar. or sugar. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's
1: I hit. Right, so do you want to explain why digestive issues can be a problem and how a lot of people don't even know they have it?
2: Yeah, so when your digestion is weak, and by that we usually mean either you don't have enough stomach acid to break down food and metabolize protein in the first half of digestion, or if your bile isn't flowing well and you can't break down fats or neutralize the acidic food sludge from the stomach, then you're not going to get the majority of nutrition out of your food you need the acid and the base, the stomach acid and the bile, to create this little, literal chemical explosion in the start of the small intestine called the duodenum that extracts most of the nutrition out of your food. And without that, your body's going to be always craving and struggling for resources and not have a steady supply of fuel and not have enough electrolytes to conduct all the messages and synapses that it needs to for daily functioning. And so your body's going to be left in sort of a panic state, as well as left with a bunch of weird food that it can't digest fermenting and rotting and creating problems, draining resources, distracting your body uh, from just doing its daily activities and trying to deal with this mess in the gut.
1: Right, and I think a lot of people, they kind of view it uh, that I, I have to eat food so that I have energy to walk to my car or to go for a run or whatever it is. But the fact is that your body needs resources to do all of this. So there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a whole pile of stuff going on, even while you just sleep.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you know, back before I met you, I just thought like anything that you ate could be turned into fuel. Like I didn't know that processed stuff and chemicals would, you know, throw your body off and like, I don't know what to do, you know, that kind of thing. I just thought, okay, your body knows what to do with it.
1: Right, right. I had no idea. that that It's a machine where you put it in and magically it turns to good. Even like
0: your digestion could be off. I didn't even know any of that.
1: Right. So, you know, with all these processes that have to happen in the body, if you're low on resources, you may still have enough energy to walk to your car. You may not even feel tired and you may feel energized. But the body has found something that it can take resources away and still function and still survive because that's its goal is to survive. So one of those functions may be optimal brain function and that may be an ability for a person to have enough resources, enough signals traveling to feel optimistic and to rationalize what is a true danger and what is not. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're light on resources, even if you feel okay, that can be the cause of this issue that you're dealing with. mm mm-hmm.
0: Laurie from Hamilton, Massachusetts. Obsessive-compulsive disorder? I lived with it all my life, watching my father line things up on the surface exactly where he feels they belong. And if anyone dare move them, God strike them down. I borrowed his pen one day and didn't put it back. Well, I faced the wrath of OCD that night, and I will never make that mistake again, LOL. It's really no laughing matter, but at the same time, seriously?
1: Well, don't take my pen. Yeah.
0: I mean, I mean, you I deserve mean, that, right? I that's my opinion. <laughs> right.
1: But you know, th- th- that's another thing is that you know, OCD not only affects the person, and some of these people, it's 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 life debilitating one hundred percent. Like yeah. it's it's ruining their life, but it also affects the members of their family as well. Oh, so cool. it can be a big deal.
0: Shane from Alcoa, Tennessee. Here is an actual photo of how I eat my M&M's. And she had them lined up perfectly. All and color. All yeah. color coordinated. I do have a few other things I do, too. Guess my question would be, is everything that falls in the OCD arena really all that bad?
1: No. Well, no, but I don't want you to eat M&M's. <laughs> that's <laughs> a big problem. That's yeah, the that's problem. What, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like she's saying, like if. If my OCD is that I, have to, I want to brush my teeth every night, you know, that's not such a bad uh, yeah, thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. Right. So, again, it's just if it's debilitating your life.
0: Mm-hmm. Richie. We, I, I, Skittles. I, I eat Skittles weird, too, you know. have got to have the same color.
1: Um, I don't think we've ever had a Richie. I'm excited Ooh, about this okay, next Okay, Richie. Question.
0: I have concluded that everyone has varying degrees and stimuli for OCD, making each person unique and affable.
1: I agree. I'm going to be okay with that. That's
0: a nice way to look at it.
1: Right. So it's just that the degrees of OCD for some of us, if they're viewed by a person with real OCD, they're going to be like, shut up. That's nothing. That's what I got to do. (laughs) People used to tell me, I lost my voice for four days. (laughs) I was like, oh, wow. That's that's troublesome. Right.
2: But when, if you do, you can also look at your, yourself and see like varying degrees of OCD within yourself. Like like you were saying, certain from hour to hour it can change, mm-hmm. and that's when self-testing can be very insightful. When you're running your test and you see like, oh. I'm having a crazy OCD moment. Like, I, I can't set my M&Ms down. Like, right. let me look and see what's my blood pressure and my breath rate and my urine pH and that kind of you thing. You can get
1: an idea what's going on. Yeah,
2: it's like, wow, I'm taking 38 breaths a minute or something uh-huh. like that you can see.
1: Because another big thing that happens is so many people eat sugar. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like we've talked about on other shows, when that sugar spikes insulin levels and we get a sugar spike... For a lot of people, it also creates a sugar crash. And so a lot of these issues are not just from minerals being low, but it they show up in a sugar crash, which is why they only show up sometimes. But a person can get a glucometer from any pharmacy, mm-hmm. and if they're f- having really bad symptoms, they can check their blood sugar, and if it's really low, then there you go. Now you have an answer instead of just thinking that I'm really screwed up.
2: Yeah, and for me, like, Seeing if I was in a, a balanced nervous state or not, there's one of my blog posts called Stress and Meditation where I do this little equation you can use to see if you're in fight or flight or not. It's not that confusing of an equation. I always bring it up and it seems really complicated. But if you go to that blog post, Stress and Meditation, you'll see this little equation where you can look at your blood pressure and your breath rate and see are you in a fight or flight sympathetic state or a The opposite, of parasympathetic imbalance, or is your nervous system actually balanced? And for me, like, any time I was having OCD-type symptoms, I was in a fight-or-flight state. And it could be the other way around. But you can learn, like, steps you can take to fix that issue um, when you correct your overall chemistry. So if you check that post out in there, there's also... In that same post at uh, mybodyofknowledge.net on the blog, Stress and Meditation post, there's also a little instructional video about meditation, which was also a huge thing to help me pull myself out of fight-or-flight state and just calm my mind down, and the fidgeting would go away after that also.
0: Yeah, the diet is such a huge part, because when I feel like my eating is out of control or my diet is run amuck and I'm just going crazy and eating anything I want, then that's when my whole life is out of control, mm-hmm. basically. Like every single bad thing about me, my moods, my emotions, everything is Your crazy. Outlook. Yeah, everything. My outlook, how much I like Tony, <laughs> right. you know, everything is just off. But once I get that under control and my sugar and stuff, then everything seems manageable. And I'm like, oh, my life doesn't suck that bad, and, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Okay. Nick from Cabo Rojo, Puerto Rico. Why do we have to keep doing the rituals when we know that it is stupid and nothing is going to happen, but we keep doing it?
1: Mm. Yeah, you know, and I think this is just how it manifests for a lot of people. And you, you think about, it could have started it any way if you did this activity, snapping your fingers or locking your door and nothing bad happened then you you see oh that's the way to make nothing bad happen because you're in this place where you're not fully thinking rationally if you were it it would be easy not to do it so it's almost like you're giving yourself a little reward every time you do it and it kind of makes you get caught up in doing it again i don't know if that's the situation it just kind of makes sense
2: yeah i mean there's if you start looking into like the brain cell chemistry and even the muscle cell chemistry, you'll realize that it's not about the actual logical consequence of people are going to come in and kidnap me. And my parents are going to hell if I don't keep doing this little activity, which is what was going on in my head when I was a little kid stuck in these rituals. That's, I knew that wasn't actually true, but there's something at the cellular level giving you that sense of compulsion. That's very real. And, and to not listen to them, it, it can just be even more agitating as those chemical triggers, like at the muscle level, corticosteroids, which are a product of, of cortisol and stress levels being elevated related to metabolism. Those will make it really physically uncomfortable not to flex or twitch or move, right? So when you figure out how to balance out your chemistry so you're not in that stress state, it can change the whole game.
1: Right, this is one way that I explained it to a client. I just remembered this. It is that if things are not going well in the body it's if it doesn't have the resources that it needs it takes step to to get those resources it'll send one person a craving you know and and that's the person that has cravings and they can't get past that but um so if things are wrong your body could just be sending you a signal that says do something about this major problem but since signals are not traveling that great, the signal that you get is I need. I should lock the door. You know, so there could it could be a confusion of what signal you're getting. But um, the reason that you feel so like I have to do this over and over could be that your body is sending this signal of things are wrong. Do do yeah. something.
2: Yeah, there's like a there's a real benefit at a chemical level that happens from that. For example, like if you were to say bind someone completely restricted. You know? So they couldn't they could actually move. They could get an ulcer from the stress of that. But if you give them something to chew on, like a stick, they won't get the ulcer.
0: Thanks for the tip.
2: Right. Because yeah, their their body feels they have some sort of reaction that they can take to help fight rather than just panic. So that little compulsive action, whether it's lining up your M&Ms or keeping your pens in order, is something that your body thinks it can do to uh, alleviate the stress and problem that
1: makes a lot of sense yeah. like you feel like you're you're doing some type of solution
2: yeah to just this vague thing of something that needs to happen right Maybe. it's really
1: interesting and, and what's for even more interesting is when a person can give their, themselves good resources and all of a sudden this thing that's been plaguing them starts to fade away yeah
0: yumi from Quezon city philippines what's how, up? yeah how can i eat this in one second And she's referring to the picture that we posted with this vegetable soup and everything. I have no
1: idea what that... I guess it was a typo. Yeah, it was a typo, yeah. TJ's... TJ's... No, I was like, is that a new candy? Uh Uh-huh,
0: I know. Julian, systematic desensitization or flooding. Google these for your OCD. You're freaking welcome.
1: So these were kind of like that thing that I was talking about where... The, the desensitization. Desi- that's a weird word. Desensitization. desensitization. Um, is just kind of throwing yourself into that fear so that you can be in the fear, realize that it was okay, and continue doing Unless that pattern fear until, is until the fear is going to rest.
0: <laughs> then you wouldn't want to be thrown in a tank with sharks. Hey, I'm okay.
2: I mean, I you know, maybe this approach has worked for this person that's why they were so adamant about right. it and sure maybe i think it's worked if, for plenty of people yeah right and if and it could be like in those cases maybe it was an actual fear that they had somehow like latched onto. it's like oh it's if i drink water it's gonna burn my lips off like and they just kind of yeah. held on to that uh, so, yeah, like that could be a solution and go ahead and try it. And if it works, you're freaking welcome. Yeah. If it doesn't, then, then you can look further and say, like, what's off in my individual chemistry and what can I do to help support my system to feel balanced and less uh,
1: compulsive? Right. And my thought is if, they, if they're able to use this to get past that fear, if the body's still having issues, does it still send a signal and the person develops some other thing?
0: Yeah. Maybe, yeah. And I think some things are good to fear. You know. Sure. Like sharks. Okay, Brian from Derry, New Hampshire. Focus only on the compulsion when getting rid of OCD tendencies. The quickest and most effective way.
1: So it sounds like Brian is kind of a fan of that idea too, to face whatever the sure. problem is. And
0: so if you're like locking the door over and over, your fear is that you're scared somebody's going to get you or something bad's going to happen to you or something. So focus on that fear. Instead of the actual or the compulsion, like focusing on the actual
2: locking, like I know, like when I get fidgety, focusing on being fidgety does not fix it.
1: Right, and I and I did hear. I have heard other people talk about how, uh, you know, one step to do in like a behavioral type of way is that if you do the compulsion, don't get upset with yourself because then you're going to focus more on how you uh, hate that, and you're going to cemented in your mind even more
2: and it and it does it's a feedback one of my clients is a psychiatrist and they just talk about this like it's a neurological feedback look the more you do it the more it feeds it the more but also trying to resist it creates up this like welling up of like the stimulus It's it's really agitating and learning to like shift your chemistry and shift your mental state into one that's creating more serenity uh,
0: just to accept it and yeah, yeah like for make me extra, like it
2: right if I don't have like access to like the right foods that I need or I ate something that imbalanced my blood sugar actually going into meditation and just sitting still and like completely still and meditating totally changes my nervous system pattern and gets rid of the problem That's just in my case that that it does not apply to, like, everybody's solution. But Mm -hmm. for me, like, that's what I've learned. Like, it's affecting my chemistry in a very benevolent way when I do that rather than focus on the fact that, oh, I'm fidgety, you know.
1: Yeah. One interesting thing is that, uh, you know, when you look at things that people are using, like supplements or treatments, um, you know, a lot of the the medications that they use for OCD are just anxiety medications. So it kind of makes sense with what we said. And people use things... Um, like GABA and inositol and things that seem to work with things like depression and other low blood pressure issues that we talk about on so many other episodes. And I don't recommend using those for a lot of people because, you know, like GABA can be pro-anabolic and some people have anxiety issues from being overly anabolic. So you can listen to our anxiety issue to understand how that particular imbalance can cause anxiety type issues as well but just it's just kind of a confirmation for me that taking the steps to give your body real resources and if your minerals are low and your blood pressure is low doing things like improving digestion so your body can pull more minerals out of food using things like sea salt or concentrates mineral drops you know there's so many such simple steps that people can do like that um that it's pretty easy to t- to look at your physiology, and if it is wrong, take some steps and see if you can improve it, and see if the symptoms improve.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a great baseline to start with of like fixing your digestion and balancing your body chemistry, uh, using those self tests and learning from the courses where your chemistry should be at. And if you have like some severe issues that seem like they're not responding or they're responding to some degree, but still kind of imbalanced, you can check out um, the walshinstitute.org and find a doctor who's been trained in this nutrient therapy where they can work in conjunction or instead of or, or you know, phasing in and out of your medications to to take that even more personalized, customized nutritional approach to fix it.
1: Right. And if, if don't be confused by anything we said. If you're on a medication, that doesn't mean you should stop taking your medication. The, a lot of people... We like to see people fix the underlying cause and qualify to work with their doctor to reduce and then come off of if the doctor uh, feels that's good. But, you know, a lot of the drugs will actually restrict a person's ability to pee out their salts. Mm. So mineral levels go up in the body um, and help them function a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And there's ways that you can do that naturally. Then you don't have to use a toxic med. But don't just stop a med because it could be... You know, dangerous.
2: Yeah, Walsh, uh, Dr. Walsh talks about that as he as he started to implement nutrient therapy with patients that were on meds. Um, they'd go from this like high anxiety, obsessive, compulsive state to feeling like overly sedated because their medication was still suppressing their nervous system and, and pushing them into like a stupor. But now that they balanced out their body chemistry, their baseline was balanced, and now the meds were making them just more like lethargic. So they again, like you just said, no longer qualified to really take those meds because they were pushing them further into the opposite imbalance of the energy depression.
1: Yeah. So uh, I think that's the kind of what we leave as a kind of a summary or a suggestion of what to do is to first look at where your body is. And it's it's easy to do. And even if you don't have a blood pressure cuff and you can't afford one, they're at every drugstore. You put a little quarter in the machine and and uh, you can see what your blood pressure is. So do that, and if it's really low, then that's a really strong indication of, hey, you can do some things to improve that. So look at things like that. Um, If you need to take our free four-week course, you can do that uh, at kickinthenuts.com to kind of help you through that. But just understand that this is not... You know, genetics can be a factor in what your physiology will lean towards, but you don't have OCD because it's in your genes. It's not something that you're stuck with because your dad had it. It's it's. I know a lot of people believe that, but these are issues that, that most people can improve.
2: Yeah, like me, like I was more susceptible to it possibly because of my genetics, sure. but I was able to fix it through nutrition, so... There's a lot of great new research out there showing, like, what can turn on and off gene expression and exacerbate or eliminate symptoms. So, yeah, putting your body back into the most balanced state that you can perceive is going to really help in pretty much every case. Whether it completely cures you or just makes your life a whole heck of a lot better, that's great. And our, our course to help correct the digestive issues is a great baseline of where to learn that and you can also, if you're interested in further reading, check out Nutrient Power by Dr. Walsh or Nutrition in Your Mind by Dr. George Watson.
1: Yeah, and let us know how it goes. Let us know what, what seemed to work for you and uh, the steps you had to take and all that kind of stuff. We like hearing it.
0: All right, our featured audiobook today is It Starts with Food by Dallas and Melissa Hartwick. And since Audible is our show sponsor, our listeners can get a free 30 day trial and download this audiobook for free. To get this audiobook for free, just go to kickitinthenuts.com forward slash audiobook, register for your free 30 day trial, and you will see one free credit. Just search for It Starts with Food, and that can be your one free audiobook. If yeah. you want to learn, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, if you want to learn more about how to look at your own chemistry, uh, you can read any of Tony's books, or take the free four-week digestion course at kickininthenuts.com, or you can also head on over to Will's page, mybodyofknowledge.net, and he's got a lot of cool stuff on there too, and the self-testing and exercises.
1: Yeah, and if you heard something you like, uh, help us out and go back to iTunes and leave us a review. I think we, there's like 150 good reviews now, so we have oh, to yeah. we have to thank we have to say thank you like 150 times. We'll fade out while we're doing that, I guess. Thank you. All right, so we'll see you next week.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank
1: you. Learn more about today's topic by becoming a KIY member and gain access to our members-only podcast episodes. That's where we dig deeper into each topic and share the secrets that help our clients and coaches see such amazing results. You'll also gain access to our private support group where you can ask us questions when you get stuck. It's only $9 a month and you get free shipping at naturalreference.com, which can save you like $9 a month. So do the math and join the Kick It Yourself K-I-Y gang. Go to kickitnaturally.com forward slash K-I-Y and we'll see you on the inside.